We want a world without ALS, and we're looking forward to a very bright 2020. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, and I'm joined by my immensely talented colleague in North Carolina, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, sir. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing all right, thanks. And we are back this week after electing to not put out an episode last week. And if you're just discovering the show, you've picked a great one to jump in on because, uh, Jeremy, we're getting some excellent insight into an exciting ALS research announcement from just a few days ago. We are. The ALS Association, in in partnership with IMALS, is providing a $500,000 grant to Brainstorm Therapeutics to do some biomarker research in conjunction with Brainstorm's phase three clinical trial of Neuron. A very exciting research collaboration and, you know, $400,000 from the ALS Association, $100,000 from IMALS. Again, to to dig into biomarkers research, something that we've talked about on this show in the past, but also, you know, allowing for some shared data and samples with the broader ALS community. And so really looking forward to hearing from our guests about the intricacies of that project. Yeah, it's huge news. And at a time when the ALS community could use some excellent news. So we're excited about the project. And we were able to wrangle uh, Dr. Coldip DeVay, the ALS Association's Vice President for Research, who's been on the show previously, and Dr. Ralph Kern, who is the uh, President and Chief Medical Officer at Brainstorm Cell Therapeutics in New York. So really, really fortunate to talk to them. And Brainstorm and Neuron command a ton of attention in the ALS landscape for good reason. So uh, we were looking forward to that conversation and really what the grant funding meant and what we can expect in the future. So hearing that valuable information from these two doctors was really wonderful, and we don't want to keep our listeners from that info any longer. So on that note, let's listen in on the conversation that we recorded yesterday. We are joined today by two important figures in the world of ALS research, Dr. Coldip DeVay, the ALS Association's Vice President for Research, and Dr. Ralph Kern, the President and Chief Medical Officer at Brainstorm Cell Therapeutics in New York. Dr. DeVay, welcome back to Connecting ALS, and Dr. Kern, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. So the reason uh, that Jeremy and I have the good fortune of talking to, to you today is The announcement earlier this week that the ALS Association and IMALS are awarding a combined grant of $500,000 to Brainstorm Therapeutics to support a biomarker research study related to Brainstorm's ongoing phase three clinical trial of Neuron. This is really big news in the ALS community, and there's already a lot of excitement and curiosity being generated around the announcement alone. Dr. Kern, what can you tell us about the specifics of the biomarker study and how this all came to be? Sure. So maybe I'll begin by just saying a few words about what a biomarker is and how we're thinking about it. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, a biomarker is a molecule or other physical measurement linked to ALS that could be an indicator of disease progression or response to treatment. So in that way, Brainstorm has focused mostly on molecules that can be seen in the cerebrospinal fluid or in the blood. And we've done a lot of work on carefully measuring these in our phase two ALS clinical trial. And for those that want to read more about this, it was published last year. 
in the peer-reviewed journal uh, Neurology. So in that study, essentially we wanted to confirm that our cell treatment was able to deliver its cargo and that the treatment could reduce inflammation and cell death. And a couple of words about ALS. So in ALS clinical research, even though there are well-accepted measures of function, and one of these is called the ALS functional rating scale, it's very important to measure biomarkers so we can understand those observed responses and potentially understand why some patients respond better to the treatment, why some people might not respond. And what we were able to show in the phase two clinical trial, which really brought us to this research collaboration with also, was that we're able to show that in the spinal fluid, the biomarker of inflammation that we call MCP1 was lower in some patients after treatment. Hmm. And that when the biomarker was lower, suggesting there's less inflammation, we also saw that in those individuals that there were better outcomes in terms of the ALS function. So essentially what we want to do in our upcoming phase three biomarker study, and we're really very appreciative of the collaboration, is that because we have access to the spinal fluid, because with each treatment, which is administered into the spinal fluid, we can take a small sample and analyze it. We're able to have a really wonderful collection of specimens from the spinal fluid and from the blood to monitor each person's progression throughout the trial and also to measure these important biomarkers or indicators of disease. And I think it's a great opportunity to learn a lot about ALS. So Dr. Dave, there's obviously been a lot of buzz in the community around the trials for neurone. Obviously, people are excited about potential new treatments coming to market. So how will a study like this bring us closer to that goal? Yeah, thank you for that question. As Dr. Khan was uh, just explaining, we have two measures that we can measure. We can measure a drug's effect on clinical outcomes, things like a ALS FRS score to see how patients are doing, whether they're on drug or placebo. The other measure is an objective measure, something in our in our body. And, you know, that could be something like a you know, what we measure for cholesterol as, a, as it relates to heart disease. And the idea is to increase the information on, on that trial by having both of these measures, the clinical measures as well as biomarker measures. And so this study is very important because we know that clinical measures can be and I'll use a word here, and I'll explain it in a minute, heterogeneous. What do I mean by that? You know, when you meet one patient with ALS, you've met one patient with ALS. Mm -hmm. Symptoms are very different in every person. Some may start with an upper extremity issue. Some may start with lower extremity issues. Some may have cognitive dysfunction up front. Some, some get it later on in the disease. Clinical heterogeneity is something that's natural, but it also makes it very difficult in trial because you need to have a large numbers of people in trials so that when you have that kind of cl clinical heterogeneity, 
you can average out and, and see effects of the drug or the placebo. And what you hope with biomarkers is that you get less of that heterogeneity. Not that there isn't one exists, but, but that because you're looking at more objective measurements in biofluids like cerebrospinal fluid or blood, that those objective measurements will then allow you to correlate it back to the clinical features, which are far more heterogeneous. And so this type of study is extremely important because biomarkers, whether a trial is successful, and we we hope that this phase three neuron trial is, or if the trial fails, biomarkers allow us to understand what may have happened. Did the drug not get to where it was supposed to get to? Did the drug not operate the way it was supposed to operate? And so this type of study really helps us understanding and learn about the drug whether it is successful or a failure. Thank you, uh, both of you, for that uh, you know thoughtful explanation of how this study will work and what it will add to the work already being done at Brainstorm. It's one thing to hear that announcement, another to to hear a scientific breakdown of it like that. It's very, very exciting news. And I have a quick follow up for really uh, either of you, but I think we'll start with you, Doctor Kern, because so many eyes are on their own and, and people are hoping for good news sooner than later. Is there any worry that this biomarker study that is is going to be funded now will delay the uh, phase three larger study and any of the results that we're looking for either later this year or early next? So I want to allay fears about any delays. No, the answer is there will be no delay in completing the study. As, As we mentioned recently, over 180 of the participants in the trial have already had their third treatment. So we'll be wrapping things up in the next few weeks in terms of treatments. And then the study data will read out in the fourth quarter of this year. I think I would take the opposite view. I think that strong biomarker data might actually speed up the review in ways that could play out by having better explanatory power of the results. And, you know, the review is an active process between the sponsor, which would be Brainstorm and the FDA. And I think having more data that would explain what we're observing, I think would would actually strengthen and potentially even speed up the review. So I'm, I'm taking the opposite tack of saying that this will be helpful and certainly uh, would not delay getting a clear answer. That's great and, news. And can I can I add to that? Yes, of course. Uh, I completely agree with Dr. Curran. One, it will not delay it, and it will not because you're not stopping the trial to get these biofluids mm-hmm. from patients. You're getting them while the patients are coming in to get their clinical measures. And these biofluids like blood and cerebrospinal fluid is being collected and stored away. Uh, And these stored biosamples will be used for biomarker measurements. And so what Dr. Kern and Brainstorm is doing is exactly what the FDA put in their guidance document last year, which is using objective biomarkers and correlating them with clinical outcomes. And and as, as Dr. Kern said, will better explain and frankly provide uh, a better decision tree 
as to how to move forward. You know, Dr. Davi, we've had you on the podcast in the past, and you've talked about the importance of collaboration and the way that informs uh, so much of the work that the association supports. Can you speak about the significance of you know the decision by Brainstorm to share data and biospecimens with the broader research community? What impact will that have? Yeah, so... <laughs> This is one of my favorite questions. And let, let me set this up a little bit and I'll, I'll get very, very basic here. But, you know, and I, I promise I'll get to the question as I answer it. Science can be and is very finicky. All of us scientists who have worked in the lab and Ralph can attest to this, know that scientific data can be variable. So what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean when I say scientific data can be variable? I can run an experiment today, and Dr. Kern can be standing right next to me on a lab bench running the same experiment, and our data is going to be slightly different. I can run that same experiment three times today, and all three times the data will be slightly different. I can do that same experiment tomorrow, and the data will be slightly different. This is what we call experimental variability. Small things like how you pipette something into a tube or how you hold a tube or how long you mix substances in that tube can make differences. On top of this, we have scientific or natural variability. So on top of the experimental variability, we have scientific or natural variability. And this is, you know, all of us are different. All of our biologies are slightly different. So if we measure a marker like cholesterol, it's going to be different from individual to individual. And this is why in science, replication is so important. If research results can be replicated, it means that they're more likely to be correct. We know that Ralph's team is going to be very careful when they measure these biomarkers in their laboratory. They'll repeat it many times and then average those data and report the results. As part of our funding, we asked Brainstorm to provide these samples for the rest of the community. And we're so happy that they agreed. What that means is that another lab, say at Columbia University, can get access to these samples and can run the experiment that Ralph's team is running now, but run those samples in their lab at Columbia to see if they get the same results. This is what we call validation. In addition, let's say three years from now, we develop another biomarker that's relevant in ALS, which is not available today for Ralph's team to measure. It would be great to have these samples stored away and available in the future so that when new biomarkers come down the pike, we can measure that biomarker in those samples. In fact, we just recently funded Dr. Robert Bowser to measure a new set of biomarkers in samples collected from a biomarker study that we had funded a few years back in exactly the same way where Cytokinetics was running a phase three trial. And we had funded them to, for collection and measurement of biomarkers. And so, you know, this is why Brainstorm's partnership with us in providing data and samples to the community is so important. Yeah, you could see how that would be really, really valuable in the research world. And I'm so glad that that step is taking place. Thank you for explaining it in that way. Dr. Kern, I want to shift gears a little bit and talking about another step in the process. And when we think about 
new treatments being made available to the public. One of the questions we're often asked at the association, one of the kind of terms and relevant pieces talked about in forums is the biologics license. And for those of us not in the clinical research world, Dr. Kern, could you explain how that application process works around biologics and what kind of factors are considered along the way? Happy to. That's a very important question. And I think it's also a cause of confusion. Mm -hmm. If I think if people don't know the very tightly regulated process and the number of steps, it could it could lead to wrong conclusions. So let me walk you through this in a very simple way. So let's begin with a biological license application, or we, we like to call it a BLA. And that's a formal application submitted to the FDA. And it's an application for permission to commercialize the biologic treatment for the treatment of a very specific medical condition. In this case, it would be, it would be ALS. And so what's involved in that? So first of all, uh, it requires a lot of information about the preclinical or chem- chemical characteristics of a product. It also requires the clinical data and uh, in this case from a clinical trial that describes the safety and efficacy and the profile and the benefit risk profile of the product. And it also requires a lot of information about the manufacturer of the product and the planned labeling. So that's, that's what a BLA is. Now, for, for those that don't know, it's very important to recognize that a BLA is submitted only after an investigational new drug is approved. And that approval is based on the clinical trial results and other key sources of data and information that have to be submitted to the FDA for review. Now, that process of submitting data for an approval of a new investigational drug is very highly regulated and it needs to be because it has to have all the requirements so that a complete understanding of the product and the benefit risk of that product in the population that it's intended to treat is understood. Right. So at Brainstorm, we're, we're very focused on this process and there's a number of things that we pay a lot of attention to. First of all, we we want to ensure that the data from the phase three clinical trial and essentially all of our clinical trials is of the highest quality and that all the elements of the BLA package are being carefully prepared. And we're already working on that. And just in terms of timelines, and this is the most important thing, and I, I want people to walk away from this podcast with a really clear understanding. So we began the phase three ALS trial in October 2017. In October 2019, we fully enrolled the trial. So there were no more participants who could join. And as I mentioned, we'll complete all the treatments later this month and early next month. And then we will lock the data in uh, the fourth quarter. And the data is still being, being looked at. But shortly after locking the database, we will generate the analyses that let us know the top line of whether, you know, what, what type of efficacy we can, we can see with this treatment. So, so that's the process that we're looking at, and that's how that ties into a BLA. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for explaining that process. It is it is something that comes up and I know is is part of the discussion. 
Dr. Dave, you know, Mike mentioned this at the outset, but the project that we're here talking about today is, is a collaboration, of course, between the ALS Association and Brainstorm, but also a collaboration between the ALS Association and, and IMALS. Talk to us a bit about how that speaks to the need to work together and, and finding common goals and the significance about this, uh, the, the combined funding award. Yeah, it is. It is significant. And uh, allow me to set this up again uh, as to why, why it is important to collaborate. The drug development process is lengthy and costly. If you think about the process of synthesizing compound at the lab bench, what we call chemistry, all the way to testing a drug in a larger patient population, like Brainstorm's neuron phase three trial. That process can take 10 years up or more and over a billion dollars. Dr. Kern just, you know, talked about that, that the, the phase three has started in 2017 and the readout will be in 2020 and, and beyond. One phase three study alone can be between 30 and $60 million or more. And, you know, traditionally, this is the reason why once a trial reaches phase three, it's funded by pharmaceutical companies or organizations that have greater resources like the National Institutes of Health or venture capital funding that can bear the impact if for say a trial fails or if there are other costs like lawsuits. That is why virtually no patient advocacy organizations fund phase three trials. R&D unfortunately is an expensive enterprise. So we have to be smart with our relatively smaller funding. And the association funds projects across the research pipeline, from basic science to better understand what causes ALS, to drug development, to biomarker studies like the current study that we're talking about. And we fund early stage phase one and phase two clinical trials because they're relatively less expensive. We're also open to funding phase four or post-market trials, and this may be helpful if and when Neuron is approved after drug approvals to gather real-world evidence of drug efficacy and, and combination therapies. At the same time, we focus on funding research that improves the lives of people with ALS today, such as assistive technology, telemedicine, caregiver, patient burden, as I see it, we're best placed to provide seed funding for many smaller trials and research initiatives to have more chances of one or two therapeutic approaches being successful. What I like to call more shots on goal instead of putting all of our eggs in one basket. So last year, instead of putting all of our $20 million in one single idea or study, we committed $20 million across 70 different ideas. And when these smaller studies or trials show good results, then we work with partners, such as other nonprofit organizations, investors, drug companies, regulators, to make sure that that testing continues, that that idea keeps on evolving. So again, the point is, this is too complex and too big for just one organization to take on. And we have to find synergy and shared priorities with other organizations. For this biomarker study, we found that partner in IMLS. For both organizations, us and IMLS, we know how important it is to use objective biomarker measurements and correlating them back to the clinical results. This biomarker study 
will allow us to see if neuron gets to its targets in the brain and the spinal cord, works the way it's been proposed to work, hopefully give us a sense of whether changes in certain biomarkers will predict efficacy. And as I said earlier, obtaining these measurements, biomarker measurements, helps us regardless if the phase two trial is a success or a failure. And so partnerships are important. We can't do this alone. And we need, we need to collaborate and sort of row the boat in the same direction. Last year, when we funded an earlier stage phase two trial for Tregs and that award to Dr. Appel, we partnered with MDA and ALS Finding a Cure, two other organizations, and co-funded that project. So partnerships and collaboration are key research operating principles for us. It is encouraging to hear that and to know that those partnerships exist and that they're actively being worked on and that organizations like the ALS Association and IMALS are having those conversations and deciding how to pool resources and which sort of trials and research they should fund. And then it's ending up in the hands of Dr. Kern and his team for their very, very important trial is it's great. It's, it's really, really nice to hear that. I know that both of you are very busy and we don't want to take much more of your time, but before we let you go, Dr. Kern, just given where we're at in the world right now, can you tell us a little bit about how your labs are operating? Uh, have you had to make many changes uh, to how you're working uh, re related to the pandemic or have you found ways to continue safely carrying out each step of the process? Yeah, no, thanks for the thanks for the question. Um, you know, before before I answer it, I just want to add to Kuldeep's uh, comments. Uh, we're totally on the same page. You know, this is a moment for brainstorm as we move towards the top line results, and going towards that moment with biomarkers in hand is a huge breakthrough to really to fully understand you know the impact of this treatment. The other thing that I, I think I want to comment on is that we always felt from the beginning of our journey that being close to patients is really where we want to be, where we should be. And having the, having the support, not just the financial support, but having the uh, existential support from ALS Association, from IMALS, means that we're doing the work that's important for patients, and we're doing it in a way that the patient's feel will, will contribute the best to this journey. How are we working through COVID? Well, we are. And uh, just to give you a couple of examples, and it's not just us, but it's the partnership we have with the centers in the United States that are conducting the trial, the ALS uh, care teams, the patients and their families, that we've been able to continue all the treatments uh, for our clinical trial throughout COVID without, without actually stopping which was a concern that we had and, and we worked very hard and obviously it wasn't easy, but uh, we got to the point where everybody got their treatments. We are able to reduce the risk of COVID by having some of the assessments done by telemedicine and by the telephone assessment and that, that's helped. So we're trying to limit visits to the hospital for the, only those visits that are, that are really needed for the clinical trial. Fortunately, in the last couple of weeks, the hospital situation has improved dramatically. So we're, we're really happy for everybody, not just our, the patients we're serving, but also the, the whole medical community that medical services and clinical trials are coming back on board. And I just wanted to say that you know, we're thrilled that 
this journey is continuing, that we'll be able to contribute something to what we're trying to accomplish and also to the broader ALS community. And I think uh, I want to thank Coldep and, and all of his colleagues and also our colleagues at IMALS for, for the vote of confidence. And uh, we won't let you down. We're going we're gonna to do good work. So thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for that message and for, you know, the, the really thorough outlook at, at what's happening at Brainstorm and what we can expect to hear down the road. I would like to add a couple of things. One, I, I just want to talk about how appreciative I am of uh, the relationship that Ralph and I have built over the last year. Brainstorm made an application to the ALS Association. We had it reviewed by a panel of ALS ex- experts. We went back to Ralph, as we do with all grantees, and worked with him on, you know, what the strengths and the weaknesses were in the critiques and, and modifying the project. Ralph working with us on sharing data and samples with the community. It's really been a combined effort. And I, I really want to commend Ralph and the Brainstorm team for meeting us there at that middle point. And as he said, doing right by the patient community, that's that's who is going to benefit here. And so, you know, I just want to, you know, Ralph, uh, say thank you. And we also look forward to working with you on this project. And I think the second comment around COVID is, I think Ralph's comment that, you know, we're not going to allow these things to get us off the road. We're on the road to find success to find treatments and hopefully a cure for ALS. And we're doing all we can from an association standpoint and Ralph and his team from an organization standpoint to make sure that we keep going forward. And so while we've had to change and modify given the pandemic, the road ahead is still the same. And the two organizations will continue to keep moving forward on that. Excellent. Thanks to you both, Dr. Ralph Kern and Dr. Koldip Dave, for taking the time to explain to us and our audience what this step and what this grant funding will mean. We look forward to hopefully hearing more down the road from you again, Dr. Kern, when some of this data is collected and you're able to share findings in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Dr. Ralph Kern, President and Chief Medical Officer at Brainstorm, and Dr. Kuldeep Deve at the ALS Association for a very insightful conversation into a new research collaboration to study biomarkers at Brainstorm. Really great conversation, and I'm happy we were able to bring that to our listeners this week. Yeah, I am thrilled that we could offer our platform for Drs. Kern and Deve to share some of the key elements of this exciting step in research. And as I mentioned at the end of the interview, hopefully it's a big piece and we'll be hearing from them again sooner than later about discoveries they've made as a result of the study. That is going to conclude this week's episode of Connecting ALS. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or at connectingals.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter if you'd like to submit a question or an idea for a future topic you'd like uh, to see us cover. We love hearing from our listeners. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening, and we will connect with you again soon. 